What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I am one of the three regular hosts that you hear on the show usually, and my name is Mitch. Boozy and Kyle are out today. Today is a long weekend. Uh, is Was it a holiday for you guys over there? I know I haven't introduced uh, no, you yet. No, it was but... not. I, I got okay. drunk like it was, so yeah. All That's right, true. yeah, that checks out. Yeah, so today was a, a holiday for us Canadian folks over here, and Kyle and Boozy are both off doing stuff. I know Boozy is on a little bit of a vacation with his girlfriend, and I know Kyle is working on a film as well. He's filming a feature-length film this month at the same time that we will be making ours. But uh, I, I guess I'll talk about that a little bit later here. I'm going to introduce our guest hosts for this episode. Uh, this was an Im- impromptu terror table episode. The three of us, we have like a little group chat that we dip in every once in a while. And uh, oh yeah, you you guys had messaged me about uh, a, an upcoming series that you guys are doing, and I'm going to be a part of it. And I can't wait for that. I won't say anything now, but it's going to be a lot of fun. But I was like, what are the odds you guys have something going on tonight? Like, let's just record a podcast. Let's find a movie that we can either all watch before uh, the evening or something that we've all seen recently. And uh, we found one, and that's going to be, we're going to be talking about curtains today. But to do that with me, I have Inside the Sequel, a podcast dedicated to celebrating lesser appreciated sequels to films while also featuring a host of the show working through deep-rooted internal conflict and existential torment. It's the agent of chaos himself. Welcome, Chris Hurtado. How are you doing, Chris? Thank you so much, Mitch, for having me on. That was such a wonderfully eloquent opening and also this further proves to the internet that i really have nothing going on so when you hit me up in my dms like the good hoe that i am i'll say yes every time yeah hit your boy up and uh joining him as well we have the host of the cobwebs podcast a podcast once dedicated to gothic cinema and classic horror films but it is now turned into a cinema historian podcast where they dust off classic films that predate 1970 correct Mostly. Yeah, because I was going to say you always seem to stay under 1960, but you sometimes dip into the 60s there. Uh, but either way, it's my boy Daniel Epler. How you doing, my man? Hey, man. Doing really good. Very excited to be on a Canadian podcast talking about a Canadian movie. <laughs> Absolutely. So this uh, this was suggested by you guys because I guess you guys had watched Curtains together yesterday. Uh, so that worked out. And I knew that I had a copy of Curtains kicking around. And spoiler alert. This was a first time watch for me, uh, which is very strange. This was on my list of shame. But at the same time, what kind of there's no list where someone should be getting shamed for having never seen curtains. But it is just it's one of those ones that kind of slipped by me. And if I did see it, I would have been very young and I can't remember any of it. So gave it a fresh look this afternoon. So we'll be talking about that in the main feature. Uh, Before that, I got a couple of things I want to get out of the way and then we will start talking about what the three of us have been up to in the horror realm. So uh, if you listen to last episode or you follow us on social media or you follow myself, uh, you will have known that we, I have been working on my first short film with a group of my friends. I've co-written a, a short horror film with my friend, Jesse Sawitzki, Jambi. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even need to go through all this. Just we have a Kickstarter campaign running until August 4th. I'm hoping that this episode is going to be up August 3rd. Uh, So that will give you one last day to grab a T-shirt or grab some kind of merchandise that we have on our Kickstarter campaign uh, that will help us boost our special effects budget. It will help us 
get have more funds for festival submission fees or any unexpected types of things that can happen during a shoot. Uh, we have continued to be blown away. We are above the $14,000 mark right now with our initial goal being 9000 uh, which once again, this isn't me bragging. It's just more so like, whoa, that happened was we had met our goal of $9,000 within 30 hours. And we got a whole bunch of recognition from our province and our city here and our local community that we did not see coming. It's been an absolute honor. It's been a blast. Jesse and I and the whole cast and crew have been working our asses off on this thing day and night, working full-time jobs and then having another full-time job in the evening working on this thing. And uh, I'm not complaining about a single second of it because it's all been so enjoyable. But uh, yeah, just thank you to everyone who has contributed to the Kickstarter campaign. And if you, for some reason, hear this after our campaign ends... Just uh, give us a message on the Dru- the Druid's Hand on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Uh, send us a message there. And if you're interested in helping us out in any way or you're looking for some merch, uh, let just let me know. We'll, we'll figure something out for you. If somebody what? donates at least $50 after this episode, I will film a sex scene for this movie. You'll you'll do the sex scene? Fuck, that's going to be like four sex scenes in a 10-minute movie, man. Yeah, like I will go full frontal and everything for it, too. Yeah. So well, I, at least tr- at least fifty dollars after this episode. True story. You know, the movie Curtains taught me about the sex, uh, the casting couch. So this all makes sense now. Yeah, and Curtains thankfully did not teach me how to direct. Uh, so this is <laughs> it's definitely nothing like uh, the type of production we have going on at Camp Druid's Hand. Uh, but yeah, it's it's crazy. We sh- we begin shooting in a week and a half, and uh, your boy's nervous, but I'm excited. And I think we're going to show some people some really cool shit here. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of like an amazing cast and crew behind this thing. So many people that I didn't even like didn't even know lived in my province or my city who I've connected with. Now the whole the whole crew has like connected and we're already bonded and we haven't even started shooting yet. So it's a very, very exciting stuff for me. Nice. But we got London on the track, right? I missed an incredible <laughs> I missed an incredible triple bill uh, that played at our Broadway theater, our local art house theater uh, that houses the film festival, Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival, and all of the best types of independent or obscure screenings that we have here. The film programmer being Scott Hamilton, who's a Terror Table Hall of Famer and the composer of The Druid's Hand. Uh, he had put on a triple bill of George Romero's lost film, Amusement Park, followed by The Fun House, Toby Hooper's Fun House, followed by Carnival of Souls. So these are the types of pills that just do not happen anywhere else, folks. Saskatoon is dying for some some horror and some art and some kind of community. And uh, it's so cool that the city that I come from houses uh, triple bills like that. But I missed it. And it's because me and Jambi were out at the we were out at the location till very, very late working with gear that we had rented. So had to miss it, which sucks. But can you imagine seeing the Funhouse in a theater? Oh man, that would be so much fun. And also, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've seen it. I know Chris and I actually talked about it on Cobwebs before, but Carnival of Souls is just one of the coolest, creepiest black and white movies you could ever see. I love that movie. Yeah, I just it would have been so cool to see that in a theater. And I know Jeff Drake, shout out, he uh, is the assistant festival director of the Saskatoon Fantastic. Uh, he, we were, he was helping us build some sets this weekend and he was just like going off about how cool it was seeing Carnival of Souls in like a theater setting. And also how, cause he's, uh, much older than I am. So he hadn't seen the fun house since it came out. 
So it's been like all these years, like he saw it in the theater. That's how like he would have been 18 years old to get into that movie. Like when it was coming out in the theater, you know, that was 1981. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, but either way it's, it's so cool. Cause he was talking about how he's like, man, that movie was awesome. And I didn't remember any of it. Like that's, there are people out there who find movies that they like and they just kind of let them be. But then there's guys like us three who will rewatch our favorite movies or even movies that we don't even love every year or two. Uh, so it's interesting or to say the Justice least. League four times in a week, you know, whatever. Hey, okay, let's not go there. <laughs> I'm really excited for this episode because I remember making so many Joker references to Curtains, and I thought now we're doing it with Mitch, and Mitch loves that movie, so it's oh. like perfect pairing, right? Yeah, yeah. Here we go. I'm gonna regret <laughs> my decision. I was like, hey, I got a night off. I want to talk about horror movies with my buddies. I haven't talked to in a while, and then Chris is just gonna try and. Try and egg me on as hard as he can, like the. You did little... introduce him by calling him the agent of chaos, so I don't really don't know is. what you expected. <laughs> yep, it's true. It's true, bro. You I'm hold on up my to your namesake. You know the vibes. Yeah. Well, I just lastly before we get moving on here, I just want to mention that on August 21st at the Broadway Theater, you can check out my favorite horror film of last year, or one of my personal favorite horror films of last year, uh, that's now just being released. Like we we had screened it for the film festival but now it's it's officially out you can rent it right now but you should see it in a theater if you can but that is honeydew um this is a film that's starring sawyer spielberg it's like steven spielberg's son and uh, i have listened to him on a podcast talking about it where he says he doesn't see the texas chainsaw correlations but in my mind it feels like if charlie kaufman made the texas chainsaw massacre so I really loved it. I think this thing's grotesque and weird as hell. It's still imprinted in my memory. And I saw it like over a year ago now at this point, And I can still, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. But that one's going to be followed up with Dementia 2. And then on September 10th, which is, this is the craziest one for me. And this is, I can't believe I'm being able to announce this on air right now. Because I know they haven't even announced this. What are you laughing at, Chris? <laughs> Dementia 2, the forgetting more or i don't it's a really shitty joke i'm sorry okay well this is not a joke this is not a drill <laughs> september 10th the broadway theater is showing anaconda holy shit the day before 9 11 that's fucked guy yeah i can't believe Mental. you're the one who made that joke here but i appreciate <laughs> it but uh no this was a surprise to me that was brought up by john allison the festival director he had said that Cause I was like, who the fuck, why, why are you guys showing Anaconda? He's like, well, we're doing it as a sort of like unofficial going away to you. Like, cause I leave the, I leave for Vancouver at the end of September. So this is going to be like John had, John and Scott had mentioned how it's just kind of a, a way to thank me for helping out with the festival and, you know, doing all the terror table promotion stuff and just kind of being a part of that whole crew there that has been my favorite thing about living here for the all the years that I've been involved with the festival. I love being a part of that. Uh, so it's really, really cool that they are showing Anaconda because there's nobody else in the world who wants to see that on the big screen. <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, I thought you said there's no one who wants to see it more in a theater. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's definitely Mitch. No, I would totally watch Anaconda in a theater, you know, as long as I'm not going to get COVID doing it. Sure. Ice Cube, I'll watch him on a big screen. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Either way, so yeah, I'm super excited for that. And then last but not least, September 17th, um, there's going to be a double bill of The Last Matinee and Demons. Dario Argento presents Demons. So you get to see Demons in a theater. So I guess uh, 
Hopefully you guys can cross the border because you guys are American boys. I have seen demons in a theater, actually. Really? Oh, it was a great experience. It was my first time. And I, I still remember the moment when the demon crawls out of the guy's back. And it was seriously the craziest thing I'd ever seen in my life up to that point. It was amazing. Holy shit. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I wish we'd do like a Demons and Demons 2 double feature because Demons 2 is also wacky and wild. Oh, I love Demons 2. Yeah. 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 It's yeah great. It won't ever be covered on my podcast, unfortunately. So how come? I find somewhere else. Uh, I don't know. Just. I, I used to own the movie and I gave it to Daniel and I kind of regret that. So now I've like Yeah, well, because I was going to say about it, it, it seems weird for me that you of all people wouldn't want to talk about demons too. like that just seems like it's screaming Chris for so many different reasons. I have yeah, Chris loves Italian demons. horror. <laughs> there you go. Aren't yeah. you? A th- are you a fan of Italian horror? I'm, I've, I'm figuring I'm going to be learning a lot about you today, Chris. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I'd like dip my toe in it, you know. Like, I think on on paper, I'm like, yeah, let's watch an Italian giallo. But I don't think I actually do it unless I'm around Daniel. Yeah. Speaking like of giallo, I, I got scolded. Do. I got scolded over Twitter once when uh, the Terror Table did an episode on Suspiria, and I had called it a giallo film. I'm just admitting. I'm admitting a mistake here. I know it's not a giallo movie now. Okay. But okay. What Here's the, the fuck? <laughs> Here's the thing. I consider that a mistake, but also that's an extremely common mistake. If you yeah. look up a lot of top Jalo lists, a lot of people will put Suspiria because because Jalo is a very difficult thing to define. Like I have my own personal definition. Suspiria does not fall into it, but a lot of people do call it that. So you're not entirely what's, wrong. What's your definition of a Jalo film then? Like I always think the Black Glove Mysterious Killer. That's what I picture as a Jalo film. Yeah, the problem is the Jalo is defined by a lot of things that a lot of other movies break. But like traditionally, the Jalo is a murder mystery. And like a lot of times they don't even really feel like horror movies. They're murder mysteries that just happen to have way more violent murder sequences than almost any other murder mystery you're going to see. Uh, usually they have a a non-professional detective, like not a cop, but sometimes they do star a cop. Um, so they have a lot of exceptions. So there are a lot of kind of, it's a little bit of, you know, it when you see it, you know, it's Italian, it came out in the late sixties to early eighties. It has a bonkers score, bloody murder sequences. The dubbing is off the chain. Oh, I love the dubbing. It's so Me much too. of the charm. <laughs> yeah. That's I feel like, like a watch. Oh God. Well, there's like the airport scene at the beginning of uh, Suspiria where there's like some of the worst dubbing I've ever seen. I'm like, but that is also one of the things that makes it so memorable. Yeah. And it kind of adds to the eeriness of it in a weird way. Fuck, I love Suspiria. Yeah, sorry, know, Chris, what this. were you saying? Sorry, go oh. ahead, man. I was going to say with the Italian giallo, I, I, I like, I don't know. I just only watch what Daniel shows me, but I really like the Italian horror stuff, like the Fulci stuff. That's my shit right there. Like I'll watch those gory, grotesque Italian horror movies all day. But the murder mysteries, I, I mean, I'm not as into them as much. But like when Daniel puts them on to like, you know, to make him feel like he's my buddy, I totally like the ones he do- he makes me watch. You know, like I don't have a bad thing to ever say about it. But them. inside your head, you're just thinking, God, I'd rather be watching Spy Kids 3D right now. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that. Um, We've got to get you a shirt that says that would rather be watching Spy Kids 3D game over right now. <laughs> <laughs> Full title. What about Spy so Kids So you guys do listen to the, the, the podcast. Cards. The, what, oh, what's God. the Spy Kids cards? The Spy, when you went to see Spy Kids 4D, they gave you scratch and sniff cards. That's why it's oh 4D. My God. Yeah, 4D. Jesus. Oh, God. Was, was there ever a Spy Kids 4? I legitimately don't know this. Uh, no, uh, I'm not making this up. I'm telling God's honest truth right now about Spy Kids 4D. Are you fucking serious? 
Yes, it's called Spy Kids 4D. They gave you cards when you go into the theater. They're scratch and sniff because the fourth dimension is smell. Okay, so there's your there's your Kyle Zervinsky fix of the week, folks. <laughs> this is the type of info that Kyle would be bringing to the podcast if he could be here. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. I had no idea about that. Chris, what are your thoughts on Spy Kids 4D? I, I stopped smell. after the third one, you know? Oh, yeah. You don't want to mess with perfection? I'm just pissed <laughs> off you guys actually listened to the podcast and now you're referencing it and putting me Of course me out. I listen. And and I, believe me, I, I hear it and I feel it every week that goes by when it's like you, you're clearly about to start mentioning a bunch of people and you don't drop my name. You drop boot. I'm like, I'm the number one fan. <laughs> so you have noticed that too then. God damn, you guys are fucking losers listening <laughs> to this up. dumbass podcast. All right, oh, well, God. boys, you want to talk about some horror movies? I'm interested to hear what you guys have been up to, and I know I've watched a lot of stuff that I feel very strongly about recently, so uh, a little bit of it's going to blur the line of horror a little bit, so don't feel bad if you guys do that as well. Just no Spy Kids 3D-ish on this thing, okay? No more Spy Kids 3D. That's true. We've already spent a lot of time on it. Now Chris is like, fuck, what am I going to talk about then? <laughs> <laughs> Daniel. What have you been up to? All right. So I've actually, uh, I've been on a real like teen horror kick, especially um, after Fear Street, because I really, really enjoyed Fear Street a lot. And I've been kind of running towards anything that feels like that to me. The first thing I've got to mention is for the first time in my life over the last week, I have been watching the Final Destination franchise. For some reason, I know it's like it. it's truly I believe it is the last like major horror franchise I've just never touched in any way. Um, we talked last episode. Kyle should get uh, Kyle was like, we should do a final destination franchise series soon. And that's so that's going to be our next franchise that we're going to do. Well, Mitch, I'll tell you, that was actually one of the pushes to me oh. to start watching them because I'm like, I, I, I love your uh, your franchise series is like you did for Halloween and Nightmare. They're so much fun. And I'm like, OK, I finally got to watch these. I've owned a DVD pack of the franchise on my shelf for so many years. I'm like, I'm popping these in Um, and I'm having so much fun. Like I'm really, really enjoying them. Uh, I think, I think my favorite at this point is the first one um, because I really like Devin Sawa's kind of creepy performance as the protagonist. He's, he's really weird in that movie and I love it. Um, And I just like how in that movie they're, they're really unraveling the really ridiculous premise of this franchise. Whereas in any sequel that goes forward, like they already get it and they kind of skim past it real quick. Like, Oh, okay. Well, we got to see this pattern. We've got to intervene. Death has a plan, blah, blah, blah. But I kind of like the investigation part of the first movie and figuring that out. But, um, final destination two, I didn't like as much as a lot of other people do. Um, but I will acknowledge it has an amazing sequence at the beginning with the logs on the highway. I think Um, that's mainly it. I think that people like that opening is just, and I'm guilty of it too. Because the first one's clearly a better movie than the second one. But that opening is just so fucking good and so memorable that it's like, I often think of the movie as that scene. Like, that's all I think about. I, yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, I can't even remember the other kills in that movie right now. I remember Tony Todd comes in. That's about it. I've seen it multiple times. Yeah. yeah, the thing with the second one is, you know, other than that amazing opening sequence, like most of the kills have pretty weak CGI, whereas I think they look a lot better in the first movie. Um, and also the characters are pretty boring. So you don't get weirdo Devin Sawa in that one. You get Final the guy list. from Snow Day, though. That blonde jock Day from is. Snow Day. You've never seen Snow Day? No, I haven't. Chris? It sounds like an I Inside have. the Sequel kind of movie. That is I a have, 100%. I haven't, but the fact of the matter is Final Destination 3 is still the best of all the Final, Fan- Final Destination movies. 100%. See, and, 
And as a as a guy who's like I've I like that movie too, but so that's your favorite so far besides the original, right, Daniel? As well. Yeah, it's it's a very close second actually. I thought it was super fun. I mean, for one thing, it's starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and yeah. that is that's always a plus. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the characters were pretty likable in that movie, a lot more so than in two. And uh, it, the CGI is used a little more sparingly and used mm-hmm. to better effect than in two. Um, and uh, it, the beginning of it felt like Hellfest to me, where they're yeah. hanging out at a carnival. Like, like so I, I definitely enjoyed that vibes a lot. I like any kind of scenes that take place at carnivals, honestly. Yeah, three is a lot of fun. Four, woof. Is that the movie. NASCAR one? Yeah. Yeah, that, that one I can't even remember because I think it's, I just gave up right I away. I remember the trailers like for that. It's barely a movie, man. Like, yeah. it's it, literally like it. The it's an hour and 20 minutes. And they re I believe they repeat the climax of the movie three times. Cause they're yes, like, Oh, it's just a vision. Oh, oh wait, it was just a vision again. It's, I mean, I, that, I hate to, I hate to call anything lazy, but boy, what a lazy screenplay. Honestly, I remember that one was like, that was where they were getting ready to pump up. Like this is final destination 3d. And yeah. cause like that was around the time where real D was kicking off. And I remember that one was in 3d, but it's like, you got to, you can't just like if spike hits three taught us anything, you can't just have a gimmick and have it work. There's gotta be other <laughs> things that you care about there. That's why game over worked, Chris. Sorry. Now I'll shut up about spy kids. Continue Daniel. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so not, not really a fan of four. I haven't gotten to five yet. I'm looking oh, forward five. to five. You guys have Wait, is on five, five the final destination. It's called the final destination. No, no, Loved that's it. four. No, four is the final destination. Five is called Final Destination Five. Is okay, that which one's the one with the skull? Is that four? I'm but pretty I mean, sure they, they all, like, all have skulls on the cover. I think well, four is like a it's like a lithograph cover case. That's how I always associated it. I'd, I've only seen it once, so like my and like somebody dies of... by falling in the bottom of a pool and his butt gets sucked in. Yeah, yeah, they, that one. No, I think that's the one with that. the gymnastics. And, I haven't uh, seen gymnastics yet. So okay, probably. so that's the one. Yeah, I remember. I remember really, really enjoying the ending, even though it made no fucking sense. You'll you'll see it, and I'm very okay. curious to hear what you think. But I remember being surprised by that one, and it's like it's not, it's not great. It's a, definitely an improvement on four, but it's just like an entertaining, silly, campy movie. Yeah, and that's. That's really all I want from this franchise. And yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. So overall, it's been a really good experience. You'll be prepared then for the there's a, a remake or a sequel or something happening right now. I, oh, OK, sweet. Yeah, there is. Oh, yeah, no, because there's Final Destination. OK, yeah, never mind. All right, Final I Destination have... three like has like the most scares from my, my like for my traumatic childhood. Like, like I don't bits? like to work out because of Final Destination three's kill. I don't like roller coasters. I don't like going on a drive through lane that has a lot of cars in it. And uh, I've never tanned in my life either. And it's all because watching Final Destination three as a kid. Um, oh, that's a life changing event right there. Yeah. Yeah. That tanning I... bed kill was legendary. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hot that. too, right? The the blonde girl is the same girl from um, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I recognized her. Oh, not the main it? girl, but like the 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 more ditzy girl from that. Okay, movie. yeah, it's, okay, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. Oh, I it's cool were... to like those movies, the Dale and Tucker movies. There's only I... one movie, but oh, it's very it's very good. Yeah, oh. it's an awesome I... movie. Okay. 
Have you any you movie seen Chris hasn't Dale? seen is horrible. He always acts yeah. like any movie he hasn't seen is absolute garbage. And and if he hasn't seen it, the only reason other people have is for clout. That's right. It it is. It gives especially me especially if it's black and white. Yeah. <laughs> trailer. It gives me such Trailer Park Boys vibes, and I just don't need that in my life. Oh my god. Nice shitting on trailer. Another Canadian landmark here. <laughs> It's weird because I got shooters going to be on maple syrup, dude. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> and donuts. Don't, please don't criticize my igloo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, what uh, what have you been watching? Uh, just stuff, honestly, for the podcast. I uh, so like we I watched uh, Scary Movie one and two. Surprisingly, had a good time with both of those. Um, watched the Hell House um, first and second with Boozy, obviously. Basically, any of the horror episodes on inside the sequel, that's what I've been watching. But I've watched like okay. the prequel and then the movie episode we talk about. But I will say in recent watches, the Hell House LLC, the first one, is the one I still kind of think about. I'm not going to lie. I, I really like that found footage movie. And um, I haven't, I've been watching more like Tubi films. So I watched like Boa versus Python. Like that's really fun. Um, and then I was sort of <laughs> I, I haven't gotten into it, but I really kind of want to purge through the uh, Final Destination movies after talking about Hell House with Boozy. I don't know why, but I kind of wanted to go through those again. I thought you were going to say you're going to purge through the Purge movies. That's know? been another one. But then you told me this new one is kind of like a Western, and I feel like maybe, I, maybe I'll be okay not having to do that then. <laughs> it's like the only one I enjoyed. Too. <laughs> yeah, I – like I, I saw that as well. Um, I like. I think. Did you see the first purge? Like the last one before this? Actually, no. I've only seen Anarchy, Election Year, and the Forever Purge. Yeah. And so the thing for me is like that's just it's just never been my franchise. It's just one that I just don't really connect to almost ever. I I enjoyed Anarchy for what it was. I remember liking the first half a lot. Uh, but the first purge actually surprised me, and uh, I have only seen it once. But I remember enjoying it because it had a really solid lead. Uh, but then, yeah, the forever purge, actually, it just reminded me that I just saw that. And it's like it's more of that. I would say out of the whole series, it's probably my second favorite. But I also don't like it that much. Like, it's just one of those things where it just doesn't really connect with me. And I felt like that one was I felt like it was a little bit or it was on the nose in a lot of areas. But I think that that needed to be the case for the target demographic that they were going for. Being Like, there's so many times where it felt like it was like. Okay, we got to really break down what it means to be racist to potential fucking morons watching this movie right now. <laughs> Maybe this will help get through, get it through to them. Like then they have the scene of like, she finds peanut butter, he finds jam, and I'm like, oh my god, like <laughs> that one, that one where I was like, I don't know, man, I don't know. But then, like you said, it is kind of like a western. I like the horses and uh, the setting of it. I like that, and I like the idea of like a a gang kind of making the purge last longer than 24 hours. That's, mm -hmm. you know, there there's has been worse ideas in that franchise before this, like election sure, year. Yeah. Election year was like almost impossible for me to get through. The thing about these purge movies is they leave my brain as soon as they're over. Like I can exactly. never remember anything about them. Yeah. Yeah. They're very uh, easily digestible and you just kind of chew them up and spit them out. And sometimes yeah. that's sometimes that's what you need. I'd rather have that than like get actively mad at a movie. Yeah, so. sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who gets mad at movies, dumbasses? Yeah, I know. I'm trying to work on it. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a that was a nod to Anger Management, starring Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler. All oh, right, on my list of shames. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> 
you could just watch the TV series with Charlie Sheen. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. I'm pretty sure they made a TV series out of that. Yuck. Um, uh, my 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 like ashamed watch is uh, watching with my friends Paranormal Whacktivity that I rented at Family Video in high school. That, yeah, that was sounds... the, that was the one where I actually looked in the mirror and thought, "Oh my God, Chris, you're going to be remembered for this if you don't no, change no, no, your no, ways." No. You did not rent that, right? I did rent that. Paranormal like, Whacktivity. Real, because year. I feel like I just told you about it this last weekend because I used to work at Family Video and it was on the show. No, no, but it was by coincidence you did bring that up. But I have rented that movie. I'm, not sure. I'm still not sure I believe you. <laughs> I have. There's a there's a scene where he like comes in front of the girl. It's pretty funny. Did you? Oh yeah, that's always funny to you. Hey Chris, you fucking monster. <laughs> I, I wish Jesus. I knew what that was like to to blow a load. Daniel, wish- did, so Family Video Boy, do you remember a movie called Shriek? I don't know that I do. Okay, so that was like it was a scary movie, straight to DVD, scary movie ripoff, or straight to VHS at that point. So it was a ripoff. It was a parody of a parody, (laughs) parodying a bunch of movies. And like Tom Arnold was in it. I remember I rented that thing and oh boy, like I haven't seen it since obviously. And I never will, but that just brought back so many memories like of working in the video store and all those, those parody movies that would come out, like what was meet the Spartans. Uh, there's so many movie. Yeah. Sequel episode then. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. They're just all kind of under the same umbrella with like 10,000 BC. So not really my jam. <laughs> I think there was a spoof to 10,000 BC. It was called Year One with uh, Michael Sarah oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Jack Black, which is a great movie, by the way. Yeah, if you're into that, that biblical parody shit, you know. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I saw a movie that isn't directly horror, but it has been it has been uh, described as fantasy horror, and I know Daniel has seen this one as well. So I figure we should open up and talk a little bit about The Green Knight. So this is also where we can get our fucking whatever Chris's deal is. We can get this out of the way here. Uh, I guess, we'll, do you want to start off with uh, share your thoughts on it, and then I'll go? Oh, wait, who are you talking to? You, because oh, Chris, okay. Chris isn't cultured. He hasn't seen it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the green Knight. you know, it's funny. I've seen a lot of people on social media since this movie came out kind of bashing a 24 to say all a 24 movies are the same, blah, blah, blah. The truth is no, not even close. Not all a 24 movies, are the same. What is true, however, is the green Knight feels very much like the witch. And I don't say that in a bad no. way, but it really is like the John Borman Excalibur filtered through the witch and that's what you get for this movie with a much more smaller, tighter, less time spanning story. Um, but I, I thought it was terrific. Um, I, I guess if I only like had any criticisms, I think it might be a little too long. I think the screenplay is trying to be a little too artsy for its own good in terms of very long monologues that don't necessarily go anywhere or really mean anything. Um, but the best thing about it is, is one, the visuals, yeah, this is like a $15 million movie, I think. And it looks so much better than like any 100, 200 million blockbuster you're going to see this year it is a gorgeous movie top to bottom. And Dev Patel is a phenomenal casting choice for the lead. He is so good. Uh, he looks great. Like he is a sexy dude in this movie, but um, very intense, but also very sorrowful at different times. And I, I'm just I'm a big fan of the fantasy genre. Uh, I really like medieval stuff. I kind of wish we got more of it. And this movie feels special because like it, like look at this we've got this beautiful very well-made psychedelic horror version of a fantasy epic like that's 
that feels like a really special thing to have. And I, I just feel thankful for it. It's a very, very cool, uh, unique movie. Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much agree entirely across the board. So yeah, this one was written and directed by David Lowry, who also made them the maybe flawless, a ghost story. Have you seen a ghost story, Chris? No, but Nathan Jones was always yelling at it in my ear all the time. So because well, like, like that's a movie it. that's like it just screams Chris to me. Like you, you would love it. And another movie that screams Chris to me is uh, D- Disney's live action iteration of Pete's Dragon, which in my opinion is the best Disney cast shell of this pointless live action versions of those movies. Oh, Granted, I, yeah, I, I at one point was a fan of what they were doing, and I think Pete's Dragon was one of the reasons why. Because I think that what Lowry did with that with that movie, like that's just a really, really solid family movie that like literally everyone can enjoy. Uh, that was such an emotional. Was not expecting Pete's Dragon to be so goddamn emotional, but it just shows that David Lowry is just like a goddamn goat. Like this guy is so goddamn good. <laughs> With uh, like he's he's a flawless director. He's a very very good director. But then like you had mentioned, Daniel, the cinematography, which I'd written it down, uh, was done by Andrew Draws Palermo. Palermo. Jesus, I am so sorry for butchering that name, like I always do. Uh, but yeah, he shot a ghost story, Your Next, and one of the segments in VHS. So to see someone like him, like even though you had mentioned it's like a fifteen million dollar movie, which by today's standards for blockbusters, that isn't a huge movie by any means, like for no. especially for the scale that they were pulling off in this thing. I saw it in a nearly sold out theater with my mom and uh, I wanted to take my mom to it because this was my most anticipated movie of the year. Uh, I've been really, really excited for the green Knight, and it's cause yeah, I, I have deep roots in fantasy and uh, fantasy sci-fi, which all of that has come from my mom. Like my mom was the one who showed me alien growing up and, We'd watch all these like really cheesy uh, fantasy and sci-fi movies like Highlander and all that kind of stuff. But I knew going into this, I was like, it is an A24 movie and it is David Lowry. And I know, Mom, just so you know, this isn't going to be Lord of the Rings. Like I I was pretty concerned. I was like, she might end up hating this for all I know. And (laughs) about a half an hour, 45 minutes into the movie, the whole time I was just like, oh, my God, my mom is just going to fucking hate this. Like I could just see her (laughs) just despising it because it's a little bit of a slow burn. Um, but I think every moment of it is earned. Like, I, I guess at the same time, I couldn't agree with you to it. There's a, like, I'd say two chapters in it that could have been, you know, just tightened up a little bit it, to preserve some time. But other than that, like the cinematography, like you said, the cinematography and lighting in this movie is so gorgeous. And, um, I really, really loved it. I, I found myself like, I couldn't stop thinking about it for two days after I'd seen it. Uh, like most people, I'm sure like the, the credits came up and I didn't feel like I knew everything. I was like, there's still some things I need to unpack here, but I don't see that as a negative at all. I actually really like that challenge when you see movies like this. And that's why I seem to be kind of a stand for some of these like movies that can be come across as pretentious, like where they're really rich with allegory or like symbolism and this movie has all of that, but like that's the shit I love. Like I really like thinking about the the symbolism and the types of meanings that they could have been going for in certain areas. And I thought the Green Knight was so good. I, I loved it, and uh, especially the ending. I know some people seem to have issues with the ending. Uh, after I was reading some reviews, I love that ending. So I don't I don't know, but uh, I definitely highly recommend it. And uh, now I guess we can talk to Chris. So Chris, what's your ish with A twenty four? Is there he an hates ish? them for the clout. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I can't stand mans on Twitter who are like, like no gas, like no boost, but like these A24 films, I kind of fucks with. Like if you don't like them, you're, you're, you're just not, you're just not about film, you know? And I, I take that like, who's as telling effect. you that who's, who's saying that to you? It's film Twitter. They're bullying me in the DMs. See, I've seen a lot of film Twitter being really snotty towards A24 lately. Because That's now the, cha- the current has changed. It's always a absolute. It's either we praise something or then now we go in the opposite of what we said before. Ah, the backlash. Yeah, everyone's favorite thing on film Twitter. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, like, oh um, I will say, though, with uh, The Green Knight, um, that was one of those ones where I was excited for when I saw the trailer for it. And then it got postponed for the whole year. It was like that with Kong vs. Godzilla for me as well where i was like oh i gotta have to wait a year to watch this movie and then the other the third one that i was really excited for that got pushed back was mod and i was really excited for mod and then when it went to epics i actually got a subscription to watch the movie and i i, I really liked that movie like saint mod yeah saint mod oh yeah love that movie and uh that movie was great and that ending was yeah phew, so good another gnarly um, one yeah and uh you know, so once I got that and then Kong vs. Godzilla came out, I'm like, okay, so my, my anticipated movies are two for two for two so far. Let's see what Green Knight can do. And I haven't gotten a chance. I have this weird thing with theaters right now because they're starting to open up again and stuff like that. I went and got, saw Kong and Godzilla in theaters because like my friends, you know, went with me and stuff. But it's just been really hard for me to like incorporate the theater you know the routine of going to the theater again like i used to all the time before covid and i think it's because i've gotten really lazy with rewatching movies and with i mean god i i used to like be like oh go buy a physical media and watch it but like man streaming is so fucking convenient i'm like space jam 2 was on hbo max and instead of going out i watched space ba- space jam 2 and i had a good time the movie's horrible but oh, i had a good time with- <laughs> i was about to say i i haven't like what you're literally I- throwing disrespect on a24 and then you talk about space jam 2 yeah, yeah. At least Space Jam Two's not. It knows what it's trying to be. You know, it's not trying to oh, pretend man. to be smart and cool. But it's some a, of my favorite twenty four movies aren't pretending to be anything. It's it's the audience's fault if they don't like them. They don't need to watch them. But I think you're a complete fucking moron. I'm not saying this about you, Chris, because I know that that's <laughs> I know that's not what you're saying, and I know that you are. There's a little bit of Chris Edge Lord in there, Agent of Chaos, Chris. Like, there's a little bit of that there. But what A24 is doing is allowing art house and like these crazy idea movies that would never see a Cineplex ever. Like the the actual big theater chains, like 10 years ago, this oh. never would have happened. You would never oh, see I know. movies like this. Yeah, yeah, we have these conversations like Daniel and I all the time. They're a production company that puts out the money for them. And if you watch like those director round tables and these special features, they'll always credit A24 for being like their the be like um um for uh, the farewell like i mean that movie was netflix offered to put that movie out and uh, it was you know denied to go with a24 out because it was lesser money but they got to do what they wanted to do for the movie i'm totally aware of what a24 does for films uh, and it to me i have no problem with the company themselves at all because like some of my favorite movies in the past decade have been from them like i mean you talk about so lady Bird, farewell base? um it's 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 no it's almost like the 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 college bro that like you know so the venture you? bros okay that this were is like, you let me jump just, in this is like everyone's complaint with movies they're just like oh i hate the college bro so because of that i hate fight club and pulp fiction and blah blah oh, yeah. i almost feel like this college bro is starting to become a figment of our imagination and we yeah. need to stop worrying about like the college bro is watching people play madden on youtube that is yeah. what he is watching stop worrying about him just like the movies you like 
I yeah. think it's also because when you say you like the movie that put out from them, those guys are most likely to also say, oh, I saw that too. That movie is dope, bro. And now you, in your subconscious, Maybe it is dope, bro. Thinking, Maybe that movie yeah. is dope. In What's that wrong subconscious, with that? you're thinking that person who doesn't watch these movies like I do all the time likes that too. What does that say about me? Oh, you know? and see, that's a mentality. In my fragile, mas- in my fragile masculinity, can't yeah. let that go. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think one, and one I of the. I that, you know. I, and I've said this before on the show, and I'm not trying to seem like an old wise man, but it is because I like I see a lot of myself five like people people change and th- like opinions change and people grow. And even the beginning of the terror table, like almost five years ago. I would say a lot of the things that I'm hearing you say now and you you also like I would get I would write off movies. There was a part of me that hated Rob Zombie's movies more because I knew the fan base. And that's a stupid thing to do. And that's something that we just all need to get over. I've gotten over it. You got to separate the crowds, the the college bro crowd or whatever the hell you call that when you're. Also no. watching okay, here, Boa versus this, Python. Let me get this out. I still see these movies. Regardless, I still go and see I them. Know. My opinion, whether I like them or not, is my own opinion. I mean, it, you also it's not, just you, sometimes you're rooting to not like something that's popular so that you can yeah, stoke the fire. Yeah, look at you guys. I got you guys yeah. all going like, what, what is he freaking out about? He should like these movies like all of us. Like, perfect. My job is done. I'll go back and watch Marriage Story and Francis Ha for the third time this week. I Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm fine. And one of those times, like watch, watch a ghost story. A ghost I, story is like marriage story, but like I I can't even shit on marriage. I love like marriage stories. Or it's just like not my personality. And for some people, I feel like it could be. And look it's just at your like shirt. if there's ever been an A24 shirt that I've ever seen, it's what you're wearing right now. You look like uh what's it? Captain not Cap Yeah, yeah. And uh is that the one who's the oh god, I'm trying to blame no, it's not Captain Ron. Uh, what are you talking about? Captain Ron, like uh Kurt Russell? That's no, and that's why it's not. It, there's another captain. That always oh, Captain God, Crunch. Uh, <laughs> we got to move past here, but We're all right. Way uh, too much about this. <laughs> well, that was a good therapy session, Chris. I, I'm hope I'm happy we could work through that a little bit. Uh, Daniel, do you have any? Just ready to go in the Blu-ray player. Let's go. <laughs> okay, Daniel, do you have any other ones you want to knock off? Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to hear about a Vinegar Syndrome movie? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, I recently bought from Vinegar Syndrome a uh, a Mexican horror movie called Cemetery of Terror from 1985. And um, I was kind of interested in this movie partly because it's part of a trilogy of horror movies that this guy named Ruben Galando Jr. made uh, in Mexico back in the 80s. And I actually ended up getting all three. It's this one, uh, sorry, Grave Robbers and Don't Panic. But this is the first one I've watched so far. And this movie is amazing. Okay, so what is so great about this movie is like, you know, horror is separated into subgenres, right? And I feel like when you set out to make a horror movie, you kind of decide what subgenre you want. Like, am I going to make a vampire movie? Am I going to make a zombie or a slasher? It kind of feels like this guy, Ruben Galando Jr., did not, like, had no idea that you could separate horror into subgenres. So he's just making a horror movie and throwing anything spooky he possibly can into one movie and it's amazing. So it takes place on Halloween night. Um, and at first it's very much a Halloween knockoff, uh, except that the Michael Myers character is dead. And these, so what the, inc- what the inciting incident is, these three guys are, are partying with these three girls and they really want to get laid, but the girls are not, are not putting it out for them. So they decide, okay, you know, what's going to help us get laid we need to scare them so that they'll kind of fall into our arms and then we'll have sex. So they go into the morgue straight out of the Chris, Chris Hurtado handbook. They break into (laughs) the morgue 
They steal a body, which happens to be this psycho killer that was at the insane asylum, bring him to a cemetery and perform a ritual to bring him back from the dead. And uh, funny thing is it, it works. They do go back to their cabin and they do get laid, but this body does rise from the dead. And then it's a slasher movie, except he's not using like an ax or a knife. He's literally tearing through people with his hands. So he'll just like whack at people and it Ooh. like tears their flesh off and it's super gory. Love it. But then Ruben Galando Jr. is like, you know, that's not enough. I, I don't just want to make a slasher movie. So then for some reason, all of the bodies in the cemetery also rise from the dead. So now it's a zombie movie. And that's as much as I'm going to give you. It is a it's a ridiculous, ridiculous movie, but it is unbelievably entertaining. And it takes place on Halloween. So you get that good Halloween vibes. And uh, if you're like a horror fan that just wants to watch as much spooky shit as possible in 90 minutes, I cannot recommend this movie enough. What's it, what's it called again? It's called Cemetery of Terror okay, from 1985. Awesome. Top of the list. That's a glowing review. I love to yeah, hear it. I love this movie. You should watch The oh. Last Circus. That's a really good like Mexican-Spanish horror action movie. That's pretty fun, too. The I've Last never Circus? Heard of uh, it's like it's, it's like from 20, not, 2009 or 2010. It's, it's kind of like a darker comedy than, I guess, a horror movie. But I remember it scaring me growing up. Hmm. Okay, but it's well, nowhere as good as probably how Daniel's movie was because uh, he showed me that that VS slip cover and I nearly saw God like it was it was immaculate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Chris, do you do you have uh, anything else you want to knock off this this week? Don't Unfortunately, no. No, no. Right. I, I feel like every time I've come on here, I don't do my homework and watch a shit ton of horror movies. To well, stand. to be fair, I did give you ample time to uh, watch a bunch of movies by giving <laughs> you about a five hour notice <laughs> on doing this episode. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Also, by the way, guys, this is it's already fun. I'm enjoying talking with you guys. Yeah, um, I'm ruining really my reputation and I love it. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot uh, to you, ruin, Lord knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I only have a couple more I'm going to knock off, but uh, one I'm not going to spend too much time on just because it has been so thoroughly covered recently. And by Daniel, Matt Bledsoe, and uh, Lindsay Wilkins, you guys had done an episode on the Fear Street trilogy. So I had only seen the first one so far. So I'm only going to weigh in on that. And like I said, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it, but I really enjoyed it as well. I think it was just a really fun. Uh, return to like it to me it's like it kind of proved me wrong in saying that slashers might not work as well in this day and age it's just about how they're treated and i think that the way that they went about this fair street movie like the first one i thought it was really really solid it's clearly a huge like paying homage to that whole scream era like that opening scene i was instantly in it i think i'd heard you daniel say like people are bitching about the mall and being like it looks like it's in stranger things season three and it's like yeah, shut the fuck up. That mall was amazing in Stranger yes. Things 3. And I want to see more horror movies in a mall, like Dawn of the Dead. And like, you know, it's just, it's a great setting. And uh, I really, yeah, I really like the cast of Fear Street. I think that's one of the things that separated it from all the other movies that would likely get roped into this category of teen slasher movies, at least modern ones. Because uh, I think Lindsay had also mentioned this on that episode, but the nineties was like her time. And that's how I felt about my, myself as well. Like where, like that's where I wasn't a teenager in the nineties, but I was, that's where I was falling in love with these, all, all these kinds of movies and like slasher movies in particular it was after like seeing scream. And then I would see Halloween and so on and so forth. Um, the thing, the common criticism that obviously gets dropped by everyone is the needle drops and 
how uh, at, like how obnoxious it can seem at times. And while I agree with that to an extent, I also just kind of be like, I kind of feel like, what were you expecting when you see a movie like this? Like, it kind of would seem stupid if they didn't do stuff like that. Like, you know, uh, granted, I think a lot of the music in that was like, it reminded me of a lot of bad music that I've always not been a fan of from the 90s. But then there were a few in there. Like, I'm a self admittedly, I'm a little bit of a Bush fan. <laughs> I like some Bush. So that was, uh, that was interesting for me when that came in, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to continuing the series. I just, you know, in a different, you know, a couple months ago, this is the type of thing where I would have watched all three of these in one night if I could. Like, this is exciting to to get a new slasher series. And above everything else regarding the series, I just love how it's an R.L. Stein series that's treated and speaking to adults, and like they're they're really not holding back on the kills. And uh, it's it's relentless. So big fan so far. I look forward to visiting the the other two. But um, yeah, and then I have one more. Daniel, do you have an, any more you want to talk about? Uh, I I can or or not. Like I've watched a lot of horror recently, but it depends on on what you want to do with time. I want to hear one more. Okay. So just the other night, I rewatched this movie and I showed it to my wife for the first time. Uh, a movie that you just covered on the podcast, actually, Lake Mungo from two thousand eight. Yes. <laughs> I don't under, I'm not entirely sure why, but that movie creeps me out like almost nothing else ever made. And, uh, and I showed it to my wife, Stephanie, and she didn't think it was scary at all. Like she still doesn't understand why I think it's so creepy, but, uh, it was like, after it was over, I, I went upstairs and it was all dark and I'm like, okay, babe, you need to come upstairs with me because I'm afraid that figure (laughs) is going to walk towards me like in the cell phone video. Yeah. (laughs) But no, it's, um, I think it's incredible, which I almost, I almost, it like, it almost works against my better judgment. Cause like, I'm not a big found footage guy and it's not exactly a found footage movie, but like if someone were to, someone were to pitch to me, like watch this movie, it's a mockumentary. It's made like a documentary, but it's all fake. That doesn't sound appealing to me personally, but I just love it. I think the characters are fascinating. Just, just their grief is so palpable to me and it's so yeah. devastating. And the, like, one of the scariest things to me that any movie can do is like take a picture and then show there was something in that picture that you didn't think was there. Uh, when I was a kid and I saw, yeah, when I was a kid and I saw insidious back when it came out, which I think Mm. was 2010, which I guess I would have been a teen, a late teenager by that point. But, um, yeah, I love the part where they look at all the pictures they took of Patrick Wilson when he was a kid. And that woman keeps coming closer to him. Like that scared me more than almost anything else. And I feel that way about Lake Mungo with all those videos. So yeah, I just, just adding to the chorus, loved it when you talked about it with Lindsay, that was awesome. And, um, I, I love Lake Mungo and it's just scary as shit. I totally agree. I think that's one of the like truly scary movies in the last like, uh, wait, how, when did that one come out? I think it was like Uh, 2008. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it has, it's been over a decade, but yeah, like it's, it's definitely up there for me and movies that genuinely scared me when I'm pretty, uh, desensitized to the stuff at this point. But it's, what's funny is like the stuff, like without spoiling anything, like you had mentioned the shadows and everything and the stuff that you see in the background that, you will have watched that same shot a couple times and you won't have noticed that there was something there all four times and then someone finds it and points it out. And that's like what makes it so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's also, it's the, it's the hoax side of things that really also creep me out because 
at some points, if it uh, like there are times where they question, is it a ghost or was this made up or what was happening here? If it wasn't a ghost, that's almost that is creepier to me because then that's like, how do you explain these human beings being in a house? Yeah, uh, exactly. So it's like to me, that's scarier than an actual ghost. But yeah, I love that movie. Really happy to hear you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, like it's, maybe Steph's just uh, maybe she's the alpha in your relationship. There is only one movie I've ever successfully scared her with by showing it to her, and it's Candyman. Yes. Yeah. It's a great one. Have you guys seen the trailer for the new one now? Oh, yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah. Oh, I I didn't even know that the full or the second trailer was out. The only one I had seen was the puppets or whatever. Like you just see. Oh, yeah. And and now there's a new one where it has the puppets and you see like all the characters and everything. And I don't know. I just think it looks fucking awesome. I can't wait for that movie. End of this month, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Man, that's so exciting. There's some really good shit coming out this month and next month. And then, yeah, like October, fucking Halloween. There's so many exciting things. Okay. There is a lot of good things coming out. Carmelita is going to be on. We're going to talk about Return to Oz. It's going to be such a good episode. Nice. Yeah. yeah I we're always definitely like talking it. about inside the sequel episodes right there. Yeah. That's all I got. That's all I've been doing. <laughs> well, if I can get through hearing you two talk about uh, Alien 3. Uh, we got nowhere to go but up from here. <laughs> was that not Carmelita that was talking Alien Three with you? She loves that film. Yeah, you didn't like it. <laughs> no, I, I've softened on it, girl. And honestly, no. But that's the thing. I I really enjoyed listening to it as someone who isn't a fan of Alien Three. Like I I thought you <sighs> like, especially she had raised some valid points. You not so much. But we're not supposed uh, to like each other. When we're on podcast. Remember, stop. All right. Okay. The last so 1962. One I, <laughs> I just want to mention one last one because it isn't a horror movie. I just want to throw it out there that I had also seen Pig, uh, the new <laughs> film uh, starring Nicolas Cage. Why are you laughing? Oh, we were just talking about that over the weekend. And I was like, I can't re- realize that's a real movie. And then it's getting really well received. So I was like, wow. So, yeah. So, so it's a lamb. Oh man, and see, <laughs> I, I still I haven't watched the trailer for Lamb, but like, see, that's the thing. This just it's my shit. Like these types of like folky, like The Witch is one of my favorite modern horror movies. Same. And like you had mentioned, I I also made that same correlation about uh, like The Witch and the Green Knight being similar in just story, like how how they present the story and the way that it's paced and everything. Which you know, so it's something that I love. I didn't even mention that though. Like the I let me know if I did. But the best part about seeing The Green Knight with my mom was she loved it. And when we left the theater, we had one of the best. Co- we had the best conversation about a movie that we have ever had in my life. And that was so special to me. Hearing my mom try to dis- dissect this movie. Like she's not that kind of person who she doesn't like thinking when she's watching movies. She's more of a person who just likes to, you know, escape and enjoy a movie. So she tends to really like heavy action stuff. Um, but hearing like we drove home and we talked the entire time about the green night. And to me, that was like, I'm always going to think of that fondly now because it was really special for me to have like an in-depth conversation with my mother about the allegories and symbolism in the green night. Uh, so that was awesome. Yeah. But back that's so to- awesome. You did. You left me on a cliffhanger before about whether your mom liked it or not. So I'm glad that yeah. got resolved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was so much fun for me, but uh, yeah, so Pig, it's, it's uh, the story of a truffle hunter who lives alone in an Aragonian wilderness, must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. So, like every other lazy fuck on the planet wants to compare every single thing to John Wick, 
Um, I'm getting so tired of that ism too. And I'm guilty of it as well, but not every movie that's a revenge movie or has someone shooting a gun can needs to be compared to John wick. Uh, like everything's like, it's like John wick. If this, that, but it's like, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I hear it all the time. And here's the thing. I'm guilty of it too. I have also said like, it's like John wick, but this, but then when you think about it, it's like, that's like acting like John wick was some original concept. It's like that movie had been done a million times. It's the execution that makes it exciting and makes it so good. I'm a fan of those John wick movies. Pig is not like John wick. Get that out of your head. Uh, the, it's also like, if anything, it's, it's not really a revenge story the way that it's, it's being presented in trailers and everything. It's, it's more so just like a character study and a human piece that, really really shook me to my core i loved this movie it's my favorite movie of the year so far i was obsessed with i was just absolutely enchanted by nicholas cage's performance at some points it's very minimalist he's not doing much but then at other parts like there's only one part in this in the whole film that i could say was like that was a nicholas cage ism like it's like you know where he'll walk out somewhere and he'll just start yelling And it's like, that's what everyone, it seems like that's what people want from cage these days. They like seeing nuclear cage, crazy cage. He's always been one of my favorite actors. And I honestly think this is one of his best roles and best performances of his career. And, uh, just seeing such a restrained take on and like his presence in this movie is the, like, I can't imagine this movie being pulled off by anyone else. Like I, I can't imagine anyone else in the role. And to me, that's like one of the best compliments you can give something uh, is that he just like embodied that character so well. There's one scene in the movie that kind of had me choking up near tears. And uh, it's it's very emotional. But at the same time, there's a couple of moments that I was genuinely laughing at. Like I was I was enjoying it. It's not it is a little bit of a slower movie as well. But I also think people are going to be surprised by just how not weird this one is. Like it's not as off the path as you might think it is like it's the type of movie that i could see a lot of like a wide audience enjoying i also totally understand people not being interested in it but sorry it looks like i always keep on talking when you're about to say something (laughs) no okay yeah sorry okay that was my bad then it looked like daniel wanted to talk Um, oh no um I, I love hearing your review, though. I, it's, it's a movie I really want to see. My I have a local, like, small independent movie theater in town that did show it, but they only showed it for a week, and it just – the times never worked out for me, and I wasn't able to yeah. go see it. Um, but, it, I, yeah, I'm very, very interested in it. I'm a massive Nicolas Cage fan, and I love hearing how much you loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's one that once you finish it, I want to have a conversation with you because, like, there's one scene that I just want to talk to everybody about, and it's, like, it's not even the type of scene where – it's memorable because of the writing and like the conversation that they have. And I'm like, that's going to be a scene that I will not soon forget. And it's always kind of going to be in the back of my head when I think of certain decisions that I make with my personal life moving forward. And that's something that I certainly don't think that I could have expected from a movie called pig, uh, starring Nicolas cage. <laughs> Wait, you're saying this movie changed your life. Like final destination three did for Chris. Yes. Yes. It's I, see, I'm trying to get away from the hyperbole that I am so guilty of, <laughs> but at the same time, you know what, when I love something, I love it fiercely and fuck. I love pig. Love the it. green Knight so. is my new favorite movie, but also pig also yeah. my new favorite. No, movie. but like, that's, what's crazy <laughs> is that like, so right now though, those are my top, those are my two tops for the year so far. Um, I really loved both of them, but I did like pig even more than the green Knight, which I wasn't, I did not see that one coming. Uh, so yeah, highly recommend checking it out. 
if you're in Saskatoon, I believe it's playing at the Roxy Theater for another week. Um, but yeah, big, big, big fan of that one. You guys want to talk about curtains? So much. Let's peel back the curtains on curtains. All right, we'll be back after this trailer, and we're also going to hear a quick word from our sponsors. Podcast Network is supported by Connexus. Savings, checkings, GIC, budget, RESP, RRSP, TFSA, mutual funds, credit score, emergency funds, variable versus fixed rates, compound interest, retirement. The list goes on and on. It's time to make sense of it all. At Connexus Credit Union, they want to help. Financial literacy is a critical life skill, giving you the knowledge and confidence to make smart, responsible decisions about your money. Visit ConnexusMoneyTalk.ca to find expert advice, tips, and solutions for all life stages and events and increase your financial literacy knowledge and confidence today. And we have reached our main feature presentation where we are going to be talking about the slasher film Curtains from 1983. I got that right, right? Yeah, that's the one. All right, so yeah, the quick catch up on where we're at here in slasher history. We got uh, so you start things off Black Christmas, then you get your Texas Chain or Black Christmas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre leads to your Halloween. Halloween leads to your Friday the Thirteenth, and your Friday the Thirteenth leads to curtains. So uh, you that had prom night in between, which I know the producer said was the reason he made this movie because he wanted to hit like prom night. Well, isn't it? It's directed by the same guy who made prom night. Am I correct about that? I'm pretty sure it is. No, uh, this movie went through different director changes. And then the guy who finished the product, it was his first, I think it was his first feature from what I understood. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. what I got from the yep. uh, the making of thing. Okay, yeah. so I was incorrect about that. Uh, See, this is why you need to listen to the special features on these boutique labels you buy, kids, so you can actually learn what, something. Yeah, this is why you got to listen to Inside the Sequel if you really want to learn about horror movies. Aren't uh, I an intelligent movie fan? You, I believe you are. You just haven't proved that to me yet. but no let's uh, let's talk about this so this one we came up with on the fly today and it sounds like the main reasoning being that you guys watched this together yesterday we had no idea that we're going to be doing an episode on it but why don't you why don't you take me and the listeners back to uh, 24 hours ago when you guys led to this decision all right 24 hours ago chris is in my basement and if he's in my basement that means he's He's looking over my Blu-rays, but he's also like kind of trying to slide some into his pants or maybe into his bag with that when I'm not looking. He's usually not very successful about this, but sometimes he gets a slip cover or two home. And, uh, and then I'm very sad because then I don't get to resell it for $25 to all yeah, the I've been making a killing. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been crushing selling these fucking slip covers. I, I can't believe I've become the guy who's selling slip covers, but also if someone's going to buy a fucking piece of cardboard off me for 45 bucks, hell yeah. And I get to hey, keep my movie. Don't put them on blast. Don't expose them. I got to make some sales myself. Oh, the, so, yeah. Uh, sorry, continue. <laughs> 
So Chris is overlooking. Uh, he's looking over a few of my movies. He looks at my my copy of Night Beast, which we watched together last time he was over at my house. So he skips over that one. Uh, he looks at The Fear, which I recently got from Vinegar Syndrome, which uh, is a 90s horror movie that actually features Wes Craven as an actor. But Chris skips past that one. And he he looks at, at one of my Synapse Blu-rays of Curtains. And he says that he's always really wanted to watch this movie because he's really intrigued by the creepy looking face on the cover. So that's what we do. We pop this movie in. It was my second time watching it. Chris's first. And we had no idea we were going to do a podcast on it. But um, it's not just another 80s slasher movie where you watch a bunch of horny teens get murdered, like, which is probably good. It's a very, very weird and kind of bonkers movie that we're probably going to have a good time digging into right here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Chris, what was it that made you always want to see curtains? Was it just was it just the creepy face? Yeah, it was the cover. It's a Synapse film. You know, I like their catalog. Um, and Daniel had mentioned it a couple times when I was up there. And we, I wanted to watch something. And uh, he was like, curtains? I was like, fuck it, curtains. Let's go through it. And uh, we sat and watching it. And I, I, the mask, like the face and the cover, like threw me off. I didn't know what the fuck I was actually looking at. And then he explained to me the killer was an old lady mask. And I was like, that's different. Let's put that in. And then, man... <laughs> I was already like um, ready for it, like within the first five minutes of the movie. And uh, yeah, the movie's a weird ride. I, in my mind, I had an idea of what it was going to be. And I was clap, like I was cheering for like the scene where I thought it was like this person going into like this insane asylum and like, you know, you know, tricking everyone to do it for a, uh, a role. And I was like, that is so cool. And when that's not the case, I'm like, what is this movie then? And uh, I kind of, I, I, it got me thinking a few things. So yeah, yeah hats off that, to the director. That's, it's some next level uh, method acting to uh, admit yourself into a psych ward for a role. <laughs> but uh, it's something that only the greats would do. You know, someone like you're, you got your Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's the only way he was able to pull that off. So. That's so the first parallel with the Joker movie, with this movie, among yeah, others, so w- yes. Let's get that all out of the way really quick here. So what what, what are the Joker correlations for you? I'm, I'm just curious. <laughs> they weren't really actually like from the movie, but just like random spurts. I'm like, there's the there's where Todd Phillips got the Joker dancing in the bathroom scene from. You know? We were joking about Todd Phillips being as creepy a director as John Vernon is in this movie. Yeah. That's basically what the jokes were. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Which well, is probably famous, completely unfair, by the way. Yeah, just classic cobwebs and inside the sequel spreading misinformation. We didn't realize these jokes were going to make it onto a podcast. We had absolutely no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm happy they could be dropped here. Um, So, yeah, this was like uh, if you've been a listener of the Terror Table for a long time, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of slasher movies. I like to think of myself as someone who's seen uh, at least the brunt of the, the big ones. And I have my opinions on on most of them, but curtains is one that just kept on slipping by me. Uh, so I never picked it up when I, I think, uh, screen factory released it. It was like one of their first releases was curtains, but then you said you have the synapse version. So I don't know how that checks out. I think synapse um, is the Blu-ray debut. I don't think screen factory ever put it out. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you're, yeah, you're probably right about that. Um, but yeah, I, this was the first time watch for me. And, you know, I think this one, it for me, it straddles the line of the two different kinds of slashers that you see around this era. And that was, you know, you have your your Friday the 13th and Halloween's where it's just kind of, you know, teens getting picked off, horny teens getting killed in cool and elaborate ways. And then you have your more cynical, nihilistic ones that are, feel more like Black Christmas and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 
because they're like they never really veer into fun because they're so dark and gritty and serious. And I feel like this movie has both of these things where <laughs> it's kind of impossible to enjoy as a type of like campy slasher movie, in my opinion, just because anytime you take a plot device like or not even plot device, I'm sure there's a way better word term that I could be using for this. But anything I don't like my slashers rapey. It's it's the yeah. thing. I got. Oh, then curtains I'm, is not for you. Yeah, like I, I'm I'm totally totally cool with seeing slashers do the most inhumane, grotesque, brutal things to humans. But then it's like when they touch rape, it just takes it sucks the ability of fun out for me. And I obviously you're not so you should never be seeing rape as a fun plot device. And there are movies out there, unfortunately, that do kind of use that for some comedic effect. But then. I don't know. I always I always correlate like The Last House on the Left. I wouldn't call that a slasher movie at all. I love that movie. Like that Wes, Wes Craven's Last House. I, I fucking love that movie. Um, but it's because it's so nihilistic and grim and it's so serious. And same for Black Christmas. And I think that this movie dabbles with that a lot. But then the kills are so campy and they're fun. And I also love the slasher design. The mask is epic like I, I love that thing it's so creepy i can totally understand why chris would want to see the movie just because of that and to top it all off the cherry on top of the cake is why why haven't we seen more slashers on skates like that <laughs> that whole scene is amazing and it's like it actually is pretty tense like still after all these years like obviously there's some some cushion in between there and like you can tell it's it's very much of its time but like it's such a missed opportunity to like i'm not picturing jason Voorhees on skates I'm picturing Jason Voorhees on an ice rink facing off with two other hockey players on skates. Like that would be great. Mix in some running scared there. We got yourself a movie. Um, but yeah, that's like the, the main thing I took from the movie is I love that. I love the ice skating kill. That whole imagery of that scene is just amazing. Daniel came up on the, on the, the Skype chat with it in the background. It's, it's epic, but uh, I want to hear more from you guys. Like, well, we'll circle back to me, but I want to hear what you guys like and what you don't like. I also love the the ice rink scene. It, it kind of centers on one of my favorite things about the movie, which is that this is a snowbound slasher, which are very, very rare. And I honestly wish they were less rare. I've, I've always said that I wanted a Friday the 13th movie in the snow. That would be Absolutely. so cool. And I think that's the Need thing it. a lot of fans are clamoring for i don't know if we'll ever see it but curtains is one of those rare gems that is a slasher movie in the snow so it has a really great atmosphere the thing about the movie that i think we have to get out of the way right away is that it is a colossal mess there's no way getting around it it is an extremely messy movie but when you learn about the production of the movie it's almost a miracle that it's as good as it is because it feels like a movie that's almost two or three movies kind of slapped together and that's really what it is because the director and the producer uh, clashed on the movie a lot because the producer wanted a exactly like you said, Mitch, he wanted a fun commercial slasher movie. He wanted a prom night and the director wanted a much more art house movie geared towards adults. Yeah. And they could not agree on that. So they got about half the movie finished before the producer fired the director. And then the producer directed a bunch more stuff for the movie. And then he eventually brought in a different director to film more stuff for the movie. There's a lot of deleted scenes that never made it into the film it really is slapped together 90 minutes from what they had. So you end up with an extremely disjointed movie with certain scenes that don't even feel like they fit at all. 
but it's it's really interesting to me. I think it's just so weird and unique and unlike pretty much any slasher movie you're going to see from this period. Um, I'll turn it over to Chris. Like, uh, what were your feelings on the movie? Yeah, I went in with the different mindset. I thought 1982 horror movie, like I know what I'm getting and I can't wait for it. The best thing about the 80s slasher movies is like they all kind of do a runaround of the same thing, but do things a little different. And that's what makes them, you know, so enjoyable. But um, this movie just does not do that at all. It keeps flirting with different ideas and different subgenres of what it's going to be, which was for me really interesting because I thought oh, I know what's going on and it doesn't happen. And then it gets super dark and I was not mentally prepared for it. And I kept thinking like, this is a one-off scene, right? There's always that one scene in some movies I don't feel right or misplaced. And there are so many of those. And, um, you know, come to find out, you know, eventually was two movies put into spliced together into one. It kind of makes sense. But um, I still found a lot of things I really enjoyed. But I just could not shake off how a movie in 1982 like this had the audacity to be such a such a like I don't know it just looks so cynical and so like cerebral in that way and I was like where's this curtains getting off calling out yeah. the casting couch which duly noted is such a good thing to do but like why how, you know where did he get that you know and I use this word a lot but it's sleazy as hell like yeah, this is it, a sleazy movie it felt gross at times yeah. like when when Vern just sits up and fixes his jacket and then you know leaves the girl and she's crying and it's just like just the scene is just there with her crying I'm like why like i don't i don't want this in my slasher right now and it just kept going and going and um yeah the final act of the movie feels so much different than where we were like in the first half of the movie it's kind of funny but i really enjoyed it it, did, it hasn't left my mind yet still so um i i really applaud another gem of the canadian um 80s films for me for sure yeah and there's there's quite a few of them. Like one, I'd really like yeah. to hear. I'm not sure if you've seen it, Daniel, but I'd like to hear that th- your guys, both of your guys' thoughts on the Gate, like the Gate <laughs> One and Two. Uh, we those watched are some, the Gate. Yeah, have you seen the Gate, Daniel? Yeah, we. I think that's when we watched together back in college. I mm-hmm. I love the Gate. I wish more kids horror movies were like that. Like it totally oh, works yeah. as a kids horror movie, but it's more intense and scarier than it should be, and that's oh, something yeah. I love about it. Plus. It's just packed with amazing special effects. And yeah, I love that absolutely. director. And I know you you kind of know him a little bit personally. Plug. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, and that, that's, I don't, I, like, I know of him through it. He's friends with my friend Jason, uh, Jason Hamill, that we talk about on oh, here okay. a lot. But it's just so cool knowing that, like, you know, he he's a guy who's, but he also directed, like, I Madman. And I he's love done I some, Madman. Yeah, and he's done some, uh, like, sci-fi type movies, like S-Y-S-Y, or S-Y-F-Y, sorry. Uh, like he did like ice spiders. <laughs> like there's like those straight to DVD movies that were coming out when I was working in the video store. And I remember ice spiders being like, who the fuck thought this was a good idea. And then I would watch it and I had a blast with it. Like, <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't hold up now, but uh, there's, did you ever have those when you were working at the video store, like movies that you discovered that you watched out of sheer curiosity because they looked bad and then you ended up loving them? I'm sure I did. Gosh, that's I'm a tough a question to throw at you. Yeah, but yeah, Over. yeah, for sure. A lot of a black, lot of like super indie horror movies that showed up yeah. for sure. Black Sheep. Have you guys seen Black Sheep? <laughs> no. Like the not Chris Farley the Farley movie? No, not the Chris Farley one. Uh, I also loved that movie as a kid. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but uh, it's like Shaun of the Dead, but with sheep. Oh, huh. I okay. I've got one. It might be like too good for this question, but don't kill it with Dolph Lundgren. It's a horror movie, but it's like this demon 
goes into people's bodies and just starts killing people like crazy. And if you kill them, the demon just goes into somebody else. And Dolph Lundgren's like this guy who has been hunting this demon. It's it's actually way more fun than you think it would be. Well, I'm writing that down because I love Dolph Lundgren and the idea of him being in a horror movie like that. Like that sounds like a blast. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. Uh, yeah, bro. We'll get back to curtains right away. I promise. But put this on your watch list, boys. Like this <laughs> okay. is actually, it's actually like this is one where like on the cover it says, "Okay, Empire Magazine." Let's let's control it here. The the box the box quote, flocking brilliant four stars. Ooh, that guy got a promotion for that quote. Yeah, that's like a Peter Travers type. <laughs> type review oh don't don't even bring up peter travers he, around he's the years. absolute worst <laughs> the absolute worst uh but no this it, like it's a genuine horror comedy and it's really good black nice. sheep highly recommend it maybe we'll do an episode on soon yeah like i don't know in my opinion a lot of canadian horror just felt more cynical at this time like in in terms of black christmas was one that really comes to mind and then yeah of course you have uh have the I Madman and the gate and like we had mentioned all that stuff already, but yeah, this one, it is very, very cynical. And I wasn't expecting that. I, I was going into this thing kind of expecting it was going to be along the lines of the burning or something, something like that. But I wasn't disappointed by what it was. It's just, I, I don't think I was prepared for it. Are you a fan of the whole, the Faustian tale of like, be careful what you wish for, or people who are, fame obsessed like has that always been or is that a plot device that kind of interests you i don't know if i would say it's a particular interest to me i can think of movies that i like in that like would you consider wishmaster in there uh, yeah i guess well wishmaster would be far different than this i would the more i was thinking was like starry eyes oh okay the well, you know i'm Demon. a big starry eyes, eyes fan um yeah and uh <laughs> the neon demon mulholland drive Gosh, what is that recent teen horror movie that came out just a few years ago about uh, about wishing and it's it's the wish upon what you wish for wish upon insane ridiculous movie that I found extremely entertaining. So I still haven't seen it. It's yeah, I'm gonna put ridiculous, but it's very fun. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna put that one on my list because it's, it's a get drunk on. while you watch it movie for sure. Yeah, and it's too bad Chris is gonna miss this part because I am going to reference a sequel movie. Oh, Chris is back just in time uh, yes, talking sir. about a the beginning of this film like the the audition that she's having for this piece of shit <laughs> director um but i got some major billy loomis's mom vibes in scream 2 at the beginning of that so like Good just to, and, and i know that's kind of cheap because it, it is just her like on a stage and she's kind of holding a gun and going a little crazy and it's like it just made me think of scream 2 which is a movie that i love uh like that's a that's a very big one for me that but, actor stressed me out though because of like his role in Killer Clowns in Outer Space. And he's like, I, and he's a cop too. Oh, we got yeah, to talk John about how good he is. Yeah, yeah, like in this movie, he's like, is he supposed to actually be? I don't know why I keep relating him to um, um, who was I? Who was the director I was referencing throughout the movie that he was? And then like you were like, no, stop, De Palma. I kept saying like, well, is he like supposed oh, to be De Palma or Coppola <laughs> or something like that? Yeah. I don't know why I gravitated to those two specifically. Maybe a little Kubrick. Maybe. He probably would have directed Last Tango in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I would just call him like a Harvey Weinstein more than anyone else. Dude, they yeah. were calling him out back in 82 when we didn't know any better. Shame. I don't know. And that's why I still think like as much as I'm a huge Kubrick fan, I love his movies and everything. There's a conversation to be had about what he would put his actors through 
to get the result that he wanted. And that seems to be like a through line for this film. But it does make a lot more sense now knowing that there, there there was such a troubled production with directors and writers and the producer and everything like that just makes total sense to me because yeah, like I think where this movie really kicks off for me was the last half an hour. Like I thought the last half an hour of this movie was actually pretty solid. And uh, like, and that's like, I think right at that point is when the ice skating, it was like right when the ice skating kill happened, I just got more on board because before it kind of felt like John Vernon is playing like one of the, the people in sallow or something that it's like, he's <sighs> oh my so, God. well, no, but he's, it's depraved. Like the stuff that he's doing with these actors and, and uh, they're the lengths that they'll go to get this role. Like it's all like, it's quite a bit it's like it's far fetched and everything, but it's also an eighties horror movie and it's a movie about something pretty extreme. And uh, so that's what I, I didn't hate it by any means, but this just definitely isn't, it's definitely not going to be one of the slashers that I look on and think like, Oh yeah, that's one of my favorites. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen the burning, but like, that's what I went in expecting. And I like, I fucking love the burning. Um, but this one, it's just like, it's so dark, like it's so dark. And then at the same time being, being so gross with like the, 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 the mask that the killer wears is so unique. And so I'm actually kind of surprised that this movie didn't get the franchise treatment. And I often wonder where I'm now wondering, like, what would a curtains two look like and where could they go from this? Because every one of these slasher movies was made for franchises. Like they, there wasn't one time, like even they tried doing it with black Christmas and the only way that, uh, well, I guess, um, Bob, he had pretty much just made a Christmas story. Like black Christmas is the sequel to that, but wow, that's, that's a d- double feature right there. <laughs> yep. Same director. No. Yeah. I feel like you could almost imagine a curtains two That's like a scream three that takes place like on a Hollywood film set. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's something like, why isn't this IP being revisited? Like, <laughs> That'd be interesting. I'd be so down. It is. It is fascinating to me hearing about how you were going in hoping for something like the burning. Because in my brain, like they almost couldn't be more different. Like the burning feels like engineered to make slasher fans happy to be just the fun, goofy slasher movie that you can eat popcorn and just have the best time. And curtains is a dark and angry and cynical movie. I almost wonder if it being Canadian has something to do with it. And that like Chris, while we were watching it, you mentioned like how angry this movie feels towards Hollywood and it's Mm -hmm. not a Hollywood movie. It's, it's Mm -hmm. even a country completely outside of that. So it's almost like looking on with disdain and disgust. It's also, it's also near impossible for Canadian, like it's for Canadian filmmakers to even get their foot in the door when in American productions, like it just doesn't happen now. Uh, Like you have to be someone with like either some insane talent that's un that is undeniable or you were kind of chauffeured in through family friends or something like that. Like it's almost the only way it happens. And uh, so I totally saw that it saw it that way as well. It almost seemed like a really angry reaction to filmmaking in Canada, but it's also like we, I love how Canadians have this reputation of being the nice guys and everyone's saying, sorry, like I do that a lot. And I do live in an igloo and I live off of Tim Hortons. Um, but it, <laughs> it's Hortons. funny because like it, it has been this way for a while for people who are have been knowledgeable about it. But like there's a lot of really horrible things happening in Canada right now. And it's kind of like we're we're on the same plane. Like I, we're below the U.S. right now, I would say, in terms of just being a like there's so much like horrible history here. 
that's just getting bare, dug up for a lot of people. So there's a lot of repressed guilt and a lot of shit that the Canadians are working through. And I don't know if it's like, it's kind of like how the, to me, Australians are like the nicest people I've ever met. Like every Australian that I've ever come in contact with has been like just so enjoyable to be around. And they make the most grotesque horror movies, in my opinion. Like the Australian horror movies, like no other country could make Wolf Creek like Australia could. And it's like that's the same place that was so heavily censored for all this kind of stuff for years. And it's kind of like a reaction to it. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm rambling now. That's so, so well said, though. I never thought of it that way, though. Um, Canadian films, they just you watch it like My Bloody Valentine as well, too. Yeah, like for the slasher genre, that movie stands out for like the brutal killing of that uh, of, of that movie, the violence in it. And um, I'm trying to think of another um, Canadian film because there was one I recently had watched as well. But I just know when I'm watching a Canadian horror movie, it feels like the vibe is different. And it's a vibe I definitely like. And uh, with curtains, it was like it's something I like, um, but it is such a hard movie to kind of get through. Because like when I think I want a slash movie, I don't think I grab curtains. But like when I'm like, you know, it, it's a movie I want to like show people, you know, like cool, like horror fans, you know, yeah. not the flat fat horror schlob, of course. But like when people are like, oh, like, you know, you know, what's a movie you really got to watch. You got to watch Maniac, you know, and like a few of like these other like slashes that aren't even that good. But like something like curtains doesn't get talked about enough, has a lot more and does more, you know, in probably a less budget. And I don't know. That's why I it, applaud curtains. Yeah, it is pretty admirable, like the amount of shit that it gets away with, because it, it, there's a part of this movie to me that also feels like it's almost like a slasher movie meets Suspiria, but like the the remake Suspiria, <laughs> like uh, Luca Guadagino's, like just because it's so drab and dry in there and everything. And like the mood is like it's it's like a dance school, whereas this is all these actors coming there every every day who are trying to vie for this this role in this movie. And they don't even really know, like. That's it. Did I miss something? Like, is this guy a really well-known director? Did I miss that at the beginning? Like, why do people want to be in his movie so bad? I think he's at least decently well-known, but it does seem like he is coasting on the actress that Anne Bancroft mm -hmm. is playing, that she is definitely the most successful one. And he used her to get this apparently great script and uh, and then pushed her out by tricking her into going to an insane asylum. So I think he's an opportunist that's using this more successful woman to be more successful himself. Yeah. So I feel like I need my lead, Mitch. I need him to go to an insane asylum or something to, you know, prepare for this role. Because otherwise he doesn't really care about it. He doesn't care about the production. <laughs> Just seems like there's a thing or two I could learn from this. Just none of the sexy, st none of the sexual stuff. Like, fuck. No, like, don't you need to like go into a Druid's cult or something to really understand? Mm, the Druid's band. That's my, Dude, that's my or that. Undertaker's <laughs> Druid's. Hell yeah. yeah. That, shout out for, yeah. that one's for Boozy for the rest Yo, of the No, speaking of which though, I, this is a side tangent, has nothing to do with horror, but it doesn't matter. If you're a horror fan, you will love this. Have either of you guys watched any Dark Side of the Ring? No, I don't know what that is. It's a docu-series on Vice. Like, we have it on Crave here, so I think our Crave is your Hulu. Uh, <laughs> but it's a docu-series about wrestling and, like, the history of wrestling. And there's, like, every episode is, like, there's one about, like, Chris Benoit, like, two episodes. Oh and uh, oh, I watched yeah. one on Jake the Snake recently, which was, like, just devastating. It was in but it's Arkansas. <laughs> it's, some of the most, it's some of the most enthralling television I've ever seen. And I highly recommend it to anybody listening, whether you're a wrestling fan or not. Like, I know next to nothing about wrestling. And holy shit. This show has been like the only thing that's really done it for me recently. Like, God, it's so good. 
but yeah, speaking about curtains. What about that ending, though? Like, I love that ending. And when it after it ended, Daniel was like, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot about that. And I that's another part where I was like, this is where, where Todd Phillips put that scene with the Joker in it. Too. A, you, you, the, oh, she's compare. a comedian. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now she's who's the comedian laughing now. Mom. Never tells a funny joke. Never yeah, not once you... tells a funny joke. Yeah, that's but an I was issue. kind of rude for her to win the whole actress competition or whatnot. You know, the whole time I secretly was hoping for her. It does just feel like Friday the 13th with like the Pamela Voorhees. Uh, <laughs> like it's very, That's it's kind of similar. Point. But at yeah. the same time, at the same time, I, it's still better than I'm giving you credit for by saying that. Like I'm actually, I think the mystery was played off fairly well because I actually thought that it was the other one, like the one who killed Stryker. I can't remember yeah. her name right now, but I was like, That's, it's got to be her, right? And <laughs> yeah. so it actually did surprise me. Well, the thing that doesn't work as much as, you know, I love it often for nostalgia reasons. The thing that doesn't work about the the mystery in Friday the 13th is it ends up being a character we've never met before. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in Curtains, it's like an actual reveal. And, and it kind of leads to like if we're going to praise this movie for being different than a lot of other slashers, it's a female killer movie. And it's not even just it turns out to be a female killer. It's a female presenting killer through this creepy old granny mask. And that, and it's another thing that sets it apart from like 90% of the other movies. And just another thing that makes it interesting. Yeah. Totally. Shout out like, curtains. Yeah. Shout out curtains. And also <laughs> double double feature with the fun house. Weirdly enough, like we talked Ooh. about today. Like, oh, yeah, I, sure. Because uh, the fun house is another one, though, where it uh, it straddles that line because there is a spe- specific scene in that movie that's like really hard to watch because it's just so uncomfortable. But then the rest of the movie is so kind of hokey and still goofy in a, in its own way. And I say goofy with love. That's not me saying that it's bad. Like I, I goofy is a positive in my books. Um, but yeah, I, d- I do feel like it has that kind of vibe to it. So it's interesting for that. But I just think like there's the types of movies that I gravitate towards too, and that's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It incites like that type of intrusive fear without having to resort to rape. So that's something that it's like you can they check off like every depraved, horrible thing that you can do to a human in that movie aside from rape, and it gets that feeling across of like the most disgusting atrocity that there is. But it is just like it's it's really hard watching the. Uh, even though like it's a horror movie, it's it's supposed to be grim. It's supposed to be dark. It's just uh, I think it's a little bit, admittedly, it's expectations for me. Like I went, I probably it's my own fault for being so shocked by how dark this movie was because I wasn't prepared for it. Uh, but no, I definitely I still recommend giving this one should be watched, especially if you're a fan of slasher movies, because uh, it's really one that can go one way or the other for people like I've. I have no idea what like Boozy would think of this. Like, it's on I know, Tubi. It's not on Tubi anymore. Oh. It was. Oh, on it Tubi. is in the states, I think. Yeah, maybe maybe that's because that's where when you guys said it, I was like, oh, that's for sure on Tubi, and I checked it wasn't, and then I remember that I owned a DVD copy that I had never watched. Shout out, <laughs> shout, out up. shout out, Kyle Zervinsky. I watched a DVD today. So. Uh, Mitch, I have to ask your thoughts on one particular scene because it's 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 like the scene that stands out to be the most. Um, in terms of not fitting in the movie and being so bonkers. And I know exactly what you're talking about. It is where the girl who only exists in this one scene wanders around her apartment for a long time and then is then attacked by a man in a stocking mask and the attack goes on for an uncomfortably long amount of time and then it turns out it's her boyfriend and this is their weird sex game. <laughs> yeah. 
the, so that's a different director coming in there. Or like, yeah, I'm like positively. Yes. Like how would it, yeah. Like that's like, that's like, we're okay. We're going to course correct where this movie's going. And Y'all that never person do was that, just though? there for a couple days. No, that hasn't been one of my things. Like I've never like Chris, what are your sexual kinks that are like this? Cause yeah, it seems like something you'd be into. And he's frozen just in time. <laughs> he really avoided that question very well. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, watch. Yeah, that would be funny if he just learned how to freeze himself for those uncomfortable questions. No, you're back. You're back. Oh, we, we got see you. you. We got you. Oh, the, the, the kinks for me, it's like they say something nice to me. They give me a text good morning, you know. Um, they ask me, does is this feel okay? Those would probably be my kinks, you know. Okay. <laughs> for sure. Well, I really I like it, it when the girl wears the granny mask from this movie. That, that really does it for me, I got to say. Yep. Yeah, for me, I, I, she's got to be wearing the skates as well. Otherwise, it's kind of, it's kind of nothing for me. I'm That's a big sounds dangerous right? and exciting. Yeah, well, it's a Canadian thing, you know. We we have sex with skates on. That's that's a new thing that everyone can learn today from from Canadians. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Don't let her feet it's get too close to your face. Eh? No. Uh, yeah, the Bauer skates stay on during sex, actually. So. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this up, boys. It was a ton of fun talking to you guys tonight. I really appreciate you being willing to do this on such short notice. I'm going to pretty much render this thing down and bounce it and put it up tonight. Like this. <laughs> Can't wait. It's going up. I like try to this. be my best behavior for this. <laughs> Worst. Words. Oh, well, dude, you put ah, yeah. respect. There you go. One. Yes, sir. Yeah. You fucks with Smiley, right. that new track? <laughs> I haven't heard it yet. Uh, we'll talk <laughs> off air. Let's plug our shit, boys. Chris, where can people hear more from you? Don't be so self-deprecating. People like listening to you. Just, just say the words. So this Friday, we are going to be posting our first episode for the month. We have Noah Klein, a.k.a. Shrek Squirt, uh, his Twitter handle. Uh, we are talking about Scary Movie 2. And then the week after, we are talking about Return to Oz with Carmelita. And then there's more to come. You can check out our lineup for the month on our Twitter page. That is at SequelPod. Email the show at SequelPod.com. And you can follow me at Hurtastic underscore Chris as well to see all my really crappy posts. <laughs> thrilling Daniel (laughs) alright so yeah you can find my podcast on any podcast app it's called The Cobwebs Podcast we talk a lot about old movies on there Uh, Terror Table favorite guest Lindsay Wilkins is going to be on next week Uh, we're going to be talking about The Big Heat which is an incredible and just brutally dark film noir from the 1950s. And I think that's going to be a really fun discussion. Uh, but I will say to any listeners, if there is anybody out there that's only interested in horror movies, and that's cool if that's you, uh, we're doing a massive horror lineup for like end of September through October. And I think it's the most ambitious the podcast has ever been. So check us out for October at least. It's going to be a lot of cool horror movie talk on there. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Epler Daniel. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Cobwebs Pod. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, once again, it was a blast talking to you guys and we appreciate everyone listening. So uh, if you just make sure you're following the terror table on all social media platforms while you're at it, just a reminder to follow the Druid's hand on all social media platforms and keep up to date with all the exciting things that we got going on. Uh, So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time on the terror table. (laughs) 